Today on Abounding Grace, we uncover the power of prayer. When we pray, God hears us. When we pray, God answers us. What we, when we pray, God encourages us. And it was Robert Murray McShane that once wrote, and I quote, What a man is on his knees before God, that he is, and nothing more. A lot of people talk about prayer, but the statistics show that not many people pray. I mean, everybody says they pray, but not many people really do it. You know, and I looked up some things, some quotes. Even Madonna and Snoop Dogg say they pray before every concert. And you have to wonder what that sounds like. And yet, is it really prayer? This is amazing grace. Happy Thanksgiving from all of us at Abounding Grace. We'll join Pastor Ed Taylor in Daniel chapter 9 in just a second. I think it's fitting on a day like this that we talk about prayer and how to be effective in our prayer lives, just as Daniel was. We all have room for growth in this area, that is for sure. We know we should pray, but we don't do it nearly enough. And sometimes our prayers are more focused on fulfilling a wish list than on worship, confession, and thanksgiving. So let's be encouraged to pray more effectively. Please take your Bibles, open them to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. You know, we put our son Eddie in Christian daycare, actually into a school at an Assembly of God church uh, near our home in Southern California. And we had the opportunity from time to time to join him for, in his little four or five-year-old life, join him for lunch with all the kids and parent day. And before, as the food was set out and taken out of their lunch boxes, uh, before the kids were allowed to eat, uh, Miss Linda, who was the head of the school, she would get up and she would get all the kids' attention as she normally would, and she would teach, she would say a prayer, and the kids would all repeat it together. And the prayer was this, God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food. Amen. No talking. And they would repeat that over and over again. Now, we were new believers, uh, I was, we were new believers and learning how to pray and learning how to run our home. And when I heard this prayer, I thought, man, that might be a great prayer to bring home at our dinner table. God is great. God is good. Let, him, let us thank him for our food. Amen. No talking. Now, of course, today that would be amen, no phone. But it, it changes with the times. Well, it didn't really work out that way because it wasn't really the kind of prayer that gave us that sense of appreciation. I see what Miss Linda was teaching the kids and having the kids run around here. There's some rote and there's some repetition that we teach the kids to help them focus on what's before them. I think that's one of the reasons why we ask everyone to close their eyes, bow their heads, and fold their hands because that pretty much covers all the stuff the kids want to do instead of pray. So there they are all in one area. But you know you don't have to pray with your hands folded. Your prayer eyes don't have to be closed. 
Uh, you don't even need to bow your head in order to pray. There's a lot of different postures and a lot of different ways to pray. I mean, if you're driving, you better keep your eyes open. You better keep your hands on the wheel and stay focused as you're communicating with God. So the posture is not as important as the position. The position of the body, the posture of the body, is not more important than the position of the heart. And over the years, our prayers have changed around the dinner table. Our prayers have changed. They have become more elaborate at times, and then they've reverted back to some quick one to bless the food so we don't get sick. But prayer is more than just thanking God or asking God for a list of requests. And when I mention the word prayer, you bring it up in Christian circles, it brings up great joy on the one hand, Because as you look at your life right now, you're where you want to be. The circumstances of your life might have changed you in relation to prayer. You might see being, you might see growth in that area. You might see some additions. You might see some added answered prayer. You might see the miraculous of God happen because you've tapped in to God by obediently praying. But more often what happens when prayer is mentioned among Christians is there's great frustration, perhaps even condemnation. Because if there's one thing that we can all grow in, it's our prayer lives. We go up and down. We may stay down for a long time. We may go up for a a while. It seems that communicating with others or talking at work or talking on the phone or, or texting or emailing or communicating of a lot of different ways with a lot of different people seems to be something we can do better than prayer. And yet prayer is such a privilege. We all know that we could pray more and we all know that we should pray more And we all know that we would pray more if we could just gain a greater victory over the weakness of our flesh, over the weakness of our lack of desire. Because I think that among us all, wherever the stage of our prayer lives are, we all desire a deeper, richer, stronger prayer life. But it's a difficult discipline. It requires an investment of our time. It requires our effort. Remember in Mark chapter 14, verse 38, Jesus said, Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body, or you might remember it, the flesh is weak. And that's true for us. Prayer is a difficult discipline, but it's also a delightful discussion with God. It gives us, when we're, when we're praying and even seeing the corner, you know, even as we begin to pray, and we've been praying for years now, a couple years together, five, ten minutes here, uh, we've got more prayer in the marriage group, we more prayer upstairs with the kids and downstairs. Even, even though the God has pivoted our church into more prayer, I have met people that are still not satisfied. They said, we should be praying more, Pastor. We should be praying more, Pastor. We should be praying more, Pastor. And and they get frustrated and begin to start judging others because of their prayer life. You know, that's not God's heart for you to become a judge of everyone. It's not God's will for you to become a judge of someone else's prayer life. For me, it's a blessing to see what a change took place as we made a commitment. Because it's not just in the building. We don't measure everything in our spiritual lives by this building. You realize that. It's not just what happens in the four walls. This is all experimentation. This is all testing. This is a place to develop a habit that carries on all the time that you're not here. Not just here. Well, you know what? We we should be praying more, Pastor. Are you praying more? Yes, I'm praying more. Praise God. Who else should be praying more? Well, everybody should be praying more. You know, there's probably some truth to that. But if you're praying more, then God's got a hold of your heart. And it sounds like part of your prayer life, and maybe I'm just speaking to someone today, it sounds like maybe part of your prayer life will be praying for the prayerlessness because God answers those. 
And what does he do sometimes to get our attention? He brings a crisis. I mean, I've never been more desperate in my prayers than when great crisis hit my life. That's just the way it is. I wish I could say that I'm always at the mountaintop. I'm always crying out to God. I don't have time to talk to anyone else. But I'll tell you what, when I'm in crisis, that's exactly. I'm maybe not on the mountaintop. I might be in the depth of the valley, but I don't really want to talk to anyone with God. And I become very desperate. I'm sure that you share that testimony as well. Prayer life isn't for us to judge each other. Prayer life isn't for us to measure one another. Our prayer life isn't to be frustrated with someone else and their lack of prayer. We're to be patient with one another, helping one another. Because when we pray, God hears us. When we pray, God answers us. What we, when we pray, God encourages us. And it was Robert Murray McShane that once wrote, and I quote, What a man is on his knees before God, that he is, and nothing more. A lot of people talk about prayer, but the statistics show that not many people pray. I mean, everybody says they pray, but not many people really do it. You know, and I looked up some things, some quotes. Even Madonna and Snoop Dogg say they pray before every concert. And you have to wonder what that sounds like. And yet, is it really prayer? It sounds very spiritual. It sounds like the hip thing to say. But for some people, praying is just an act of futility. The only prayer that God's listening for from an unbeliever is, I'm a sinner, God, save me. Everything else is just empty words. You know, for the hypocrite, for the believing hypocrite, not the unbeliever, but for the believer, what the Lord's wanting to hear is repentance so that the channel is open for a relationship again. In order for prayer to be effective, there needs to be relationship, commitment, submission, and get this, in order for prayer to be effective, there needs to be honesty. Because you, you, know, you come to God and you're trying to, trying to pull one on God or somehow like he doesn't know what's going on in your life. And so you describe something and you only give 75% of the story. Do you think God's like, oh, all right, I thought it was worse. But now that I hear you, everything's fine. Everything's great. Like he knows. So when, when you enter into that and you kind of just shade things and move things, like God is wanting honesty. The Bible says that when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So if walking in the light and honest, light speaking of honesty, light speaking of nothing hidden, nothing being able to hid, when we live in a relationship with each other where we're not hiding anything, we're living in full honesty with one another to the best of our ability, and we get fellowship, what do you think that's like before you with God living in the light? Because if you lie to God, you're only lying to yourself. That's, you're only fooling yourself. You're only walking in deception, perhaps even self-deception. We were talking about it earlier today in our staff meeting of going through the book on being a servant of God together, reading it, talking about it, and how important it is for us to recognize the importance of surrendering to him and being honest with him and, and living in the light, being honest with one another, re recognizing his call upon our lives, recognizing that the fuel of ministry and service is love, honest love, truthful love. And so today in chapter 9, we begin a study in the life of Daniel where we see one of his prayers. And there's power in prayer. He's a great example of a prayerful believer in the old covenant. He's not praying with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. He's not praying with the fullness of Messiah in his life. He's praying in a real relationship with God before what you and I have been given. And his life is bathed and surrounded by prayer. 
Remember, we've already looked back in chapter 6. His, it was his prayer life that got him in trouble with King Darius. It was his prayer life that was identified by his enemies to try to take advantage of him to have him killed. His enemies, enemies then in chapter 6 couldn't find anything evil in his life, so they took something good and called it evil. And so it shouldn't surprise us as we continue to follow Daniel's life that we find him praying in chapter 9. He's reading and praying. Exactly what we encourage every time we gather. The best thing you can do in your spiritual life. The thing that will bring you the most progress. The thing that will bring you the quickest maturity. The thing that will overwhelm your life with direction and encouragement and strength and conviction is to read your Bible every day and pray every day. And where we find Daniel in chapter 9? He's reading the book of Jeremiah and he's praying. And God is using him in a powerful way. You're looking for the secret to a good God. You're, you're going to the bookstore, going to Amazon. You're looking for the book. What's the secret to a spiritual life? What, is it, what, what can I do? What can I learn? What can I listen to? Hey, if you don't have a book or CDs, you don't have MP3s, you have an app, no internet, nothing, read your Bible and pray every day. And God will give you glorious growth in your life. And so it doesn't surprise us, Daniel's reading and praying. Verse 1, it was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylon, Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from the reading of the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes." So Daniel's a serious student of the word. As he's reading Jeremiah, he is learning about the captivity. So hold your place here. Go back to Jeremiah chapter 25. Jeremiah chapter 25. It's going to be to the left if you are from Daniel. And we'll see what he is reading. Jeremiah 25 in verse 11. It says, This entire land will become a desolate wasteland. Israel and her neighboring lands will serve the king of Babylon for 70 years. Then after 70 years of captivity are over, I'll punish the king of Babylon and his people for their sins, says the Lord, and I will make the country of the Babylonians a wasteland forever. I will bring upon them all the terrors I have promised in this book, all the penalties announced by Jeremiah against the nations, and many nations and great kings will enslave the Babylonians just as they enslave my people. I'll punish them in proportion to the suffering they cause my people. So Daniel read that and knew that they were at the end of the captivity. The end was up. He's an old man now, an older man. He had lived through it all and now he's seeing the end. And I just sense in our generation that we're seeing the end. And often we'll refer to that as being in the last days. But let me give you another perspective. We are eyewitnesses of seeing the end. And you know, there's a few things in my life that I didn't really believe I would be the generation that would see the end of. I don't mean the, the end times. I've always believed that I would be a part of that urgent return of the Lord. But there's some things in the practical realm of my life where I just didn't think I would be the one to see it with my own eyes. And there's one in particular. I don't want to share it with you. But you can, maybe you have one in your life where you're just watching something dissolve, you're watching something dissipate, you're watching something die, and you just didn't think you'd ever see that. You thought, man, this thing's going to last forever, it's just going to go on forever, it's going to be great, and then you're watching it dissolve. And Daniel, he's watching the end, 
He's watching the end of captivity. He's coming to the end. And it's his life that he gets to see. And, and in this case, it's a good end in many ways because captivity is over. And God begins to work again with the nation of Israel. And his heart's rejoicing. In, the, in my case, I'm watching some, I've seen something come to an end that is not bringing me joy at all. And it brings me heartache. I was even on the phone this morning. I uh, called a friend on the way to the office today just to talk about some things and just say, man, it is so discouraging. And, and it is, we just face these things in our lives. It could be just so discouraging. Daniel's on the other end. He's coming to the end, but this is a good end. And what does it do? It causes him to pray. And so notice in verse 4, it says, it says, I pray to the Lord my God and confess. So I'm going to give you a few things that are going to help us understand prayer here. We'll cover a few today and then we'll cover some next time. So let's look at effective prayer in the life of Daniel. Let me give you number one. Effective prayer initiates with serious worship. Effective prayer starts with, you could say, worship. Come back to verse three. I turned to the Lord and I pleaded with him. You might be reading in the New King James, I set my face. Like it came with a commitment and it came with prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting go together. I think I want to reintroduce and come in a future study and just talk about and be reminded about this topic of fasting. It is a lot, just like memorizing the Bible and putting God's word in our heart, how it's not very popular today, neither is fasting. And I mean, if you think, I don't need to ask for hands or anything, but when's the last time you had a real fast before the Lord? Fast a day, 10 days, 25 days, where you really gave something up for the Lord. Maybe a full meal, full food fast, just water only, or, or you're really laying out the different ways that you can tell your flesh no. And you can do that in the power of the Holy Spirit. You, you think that there's prayer lacking. What, what really is lacking in the church today is fasting. And not just because the church called a fast. From time to time we do that. But because the Holy Spirit called a fast. Remember Jesus said, when you fast, he didn't say when you think about it, when you want to do it. It's when you, it's expected that we fast. The abstaining of food or something in order to feed our spirit. So he sets his prayer and his prayer is directed toward God. And that's key. He starts out, I prayed, verse 4, to the Lord my God. His prayer is directed toward God. He says, O Lord, you're great and awesome. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commandments. So notice verse 4, he addresses toward God. Verse 7, Lord, you are in the right. Verse 14, he says, picking up in verse 14, Therefore the Lord has brought upon us the disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right. Verse 15, O Lord our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people. These would all be wonderful verses just in a new worship song. Extolling the virtues of God and his awesome presence. That's why, we, that's why we begin every service with worship and song. It sets the tone, puts us in a worshipful mode. It's our response to God and who he is and getting our minds focused on him. And if we don't start with worship, we start with Bible study. The Bible study starts with prayer. Let's all just remember, folks, you're not here for the pastor. You're not here for Bible study. You're here to worship God. Amen. Your heart is to be directed toward God. We're to be thinking about God, singing to God, studying what God has to say, communing with God in the elements of communion, ministering to one another. How? In the name of God and praying together where we're coming together as a group. Think about it. This is so powerful. We come together as a group and we're all talking about God together. That's powerful stuff. And the church has abandoned these spiritual disciplines. 
The churches abandon the things that God blesses. And so we start, as Daniel does, hey, this is all about him. And that's how he starts his prayer, with a worshipful heart directed toward God. Secondly, you're going to notice scattered throughout this prayer that effective prayer includes sincere confession. Now think about this for a second. Many prayers don't necessarily involve confession as much as they involve requests. God, I need this. God, I need this. God, please go over here. Please take care of this. Do this. Please do this. Do this. Do this. Do this. Do this. And lacking that sense, okay, now that my heart is set on God, then like Isaiah, I come to the conclusion, woe is me. (laughs) Woe is me. If we come to a gathering like this and we don't come into a, a fullness of understanding who God is, then we are missing out on the reality of God reminding us, woe is me. Not in a condemning way, not to be feel beat up all the time, kind of maybe, maybe you were raised that way, always being put down. God doesn't put you down. He lifts you up. But you'll never agree with God to be lifted up until you acknowledge that you need to be lifted up. So worship and confession are two necessary ingredients in effective prayer. And there are others, which we'll go on to discuss tomorrow on Abounding Grace. This is part of Pastor Ed Taylor's study in Daniel. Before we part ways today, a few things we want to tell you about. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can also download our free app and access our teachings that way. Search for Calvary Aurora. Our featured resource is an excellent book by Max Licato called In the Grip of Grace. You know, we all make mistakes and sin. And it's about that time we so often feel guilty and make a determination to try harder so it doesn't happen again. But there's another path you can take, one that actually works, and it's detailed for you in the grip of grace. God's grace, it's something we need not only to get into the family of God, but to live as we should. Request a copy of In the Grip of Grace when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, our toll-free number, 877-30-GRACE. You may not realize this, but we are listener-supported, and each dollar that's sent in is an investment in what God is doing through Abounding Grace. You'll be helping people all across the nation and world become a man or woman that God can use. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, here we are on Thanksgiving Day. And first of all, happy Thanksgiving to you and Marie and the kids. And as you were talking about prayer today, I think you'd agree many Christians neglect to make Thanksgiving a regular part of their prayer lives. And it's not to be a once-a-year activity, is it? Well, Larry, thank you very much. Happy Thanksgiving to you and to Matt and the team uh, at Genesis Productions that uh, take care of all of our productions here at Abounding Grace. Happy Thanksgiving to you all And also, I receive that from me and my family. Uh, Thanksgiving is a special day. And it's not, you know, it it can't just be one day out of the year. But we often, you know, it's interesting because most prayers start out with Thanksgiving. You know, dear Lord, we thank you. Almost, that's kind of a pattern. So there is built into us a sense of appreciation for God. But at the same time, we get on with our life, we get on with the day, and we tend to forget. You know, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible 
has Thanksgiving in it, and I often forget Thanksgiving when I quote it. In Philippians, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication, and here's the phrase I forget, with Thanksgiving. It's in there. It's the key to anxiety. It's key to deal with your anxiety, to be thankful, to enjoy what God has done, to see what he has done, not what he hasn't done. And Thanksgiving is so important, you know, as you draw near to God and express your appreciation all day, every day, it just builds, you know, it, it enlarges our hearts. And instead of this entitled, I mean, it's hard to say, but this entitled narcissistic culture that we're in where it's all about me. It's not new, right? We've had me, myself, and I for hundreds of years, but man, it's just gotten worse. And we get caught up in it because we're part of this culture too. And and we're to think of others more highly than ourselves. And one way to do that is just to be thankful, to recognize the gracious goodness and love of God. So thanks for asking. Happy Thanksgiving, you guys. May the Lord bless you and encourage you. I pray today, with all the restrictions and all the stuff that's going on, would be a day that you celebrate the love, joy, and mercy of God. God bless you guys. Once again, happy Thanksgiving from all of us at Abounding Grace and Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will talk more about the power of prayer. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.